0: Welcome to The Quest. My name is Alden Mulhern. We are now reaching the final episodes of Answer to Job. In today's episode, we will first sum up what we have covered so far and then tackle outstanding questions that arise from reading this unusual but intriguing text. Young, in his early years, suffered an intense and disturbing inner world. A divided self might loosely characterise his psychological condition. He felt isolated, ashamed, alienated, even accursed. He suffered very disturbing dreams and visions, probably of traumatic origin. He took many compensatory measures to protect himself. Against his will, he was forced to experience the other side of the psyche, for him, the dark side of God. This resulted in tremendous difficulty with Christian traditions that insisted on a just and all-loving God. For young, God was divided, obliging him to suffer dreams and visions, revealing another side of his nature. And this, besides being very painful, was also a source of grace. Thus, young actively suffered Job's problem an incomprehensible suffering inflicted by God. Like Job, he could find no answer from friends and family. Feeling that he was an outcast, but at the same time divinely chosen, was a condition, one might say an archetype, that shaped his destiny. Young, later in life, identified with Job. The dreams, visions and intense feelings outlined in Memories, Dreams, reflections, have their origin in family dynamics and environmental circumstances, for example his mother entering a sanatorium when he was three years old, and even perhaps early sexual abuse by an unknown source. These experiences included the dream at the age of four of the underground phallus, his memory of being seated on a stone and not knowing whether he was the stone Or the person sitting on it, the importance of the long kept secret in his childhood, the carved mannequin in the attic, the awareness of his number one and number two personality, and his vision of God defecating on the Cathedral of Basel, to mention only the most outstanding. Yet all of these had spiritual importance for him that grew over time and were even to shape the Jungian psychotherapy practised today by thousands of analysts. For example, the importance of the shadow and the centrality of the archetype of the self. His inner experiences convinced him that God was not only the embodiment of the light, but also of darkness. That the church and its teachings were limited and one-sided. That he had to experience God and not just have faith in him. That it was God who insisted that he had the vision of the defecation on the cathedral. His experience of the grace of God that came after this came not by obeying the rules of church but by experiencing God's darkness as it manifested in his own psyche. Answer to Job was not so much written as composed. Such was the elevated and visionary force that possessed Jung in his 75th year. It was more of a personal testament than an exegesis, that is a textual interpretation of scripture, or an analytic text. It is useful to understand that Jung spoke with many tongues in this outpouring. One moment the psychoanalyst, next the advocate of Job, then the gnostic, and so on. Answer to Job begins with Jung highlighting the contradictory nature of Yahweh's Personality and his outrage for the injustice done to Job. He next suggests that God needs mankind. Human consciousness has a moral sense and the capacity for self reflection. Yahweh, by contrast, is more like a contradictory nature God. However, he admits that Yahweh is also a complexio oppositorum, a totality or unity of opposites as further evidence of the defense young points beyond the book of job to apocalyptic scenes in the old testament in the books of ezekiel daniel and enoch god certainly has a dark side and is not simply just but liable to rage and punishment like a tribal lord he is to be feared. Young argues that the emergence of Christianity was an attempt to create a totally good God. That is, clear up the contradictions of the primitive nature God. Otherwise, the Jewish religion and its offshoots would have suffered the fate of the Greek Olympians, lack of credibility and been consigned to the dustbin of history. With Christianity... development out of Judaism God entered humanity as the perfect Jesus Christ the son of God and Satan is banished from the heavens you may remember Christ's vision of Satan falling to earth like a bolt of lightning yet the incarnation of Jesus Christ is still not enough in the battle against evil for after Christ returns to heaven the Holy Ghost is required to fortify the faithful. Otherwise Satan will rule again in the hearts, bodies and souls of mankind. Jung insists that the belief that God is all good is still not credible because God is a mixture of opposites. To drive home his point, he once again looks to the sacred texts, not just to the Old Testament but also the New he presents the evidence of the book of Revelation, the last book of the Christian Bible, where, in black and white, the Christians present their God in all his contradictions, a raging and cruel creator who slaughters mankind. With his psychoanalytic voice, Jung argues that the effort for goodness in Christianity produces a counter-action in the unconscious a shadow grows to compensate for all that insistence on the light. He argues that John of Patmos, the author of the book of Revelation, written 63 years after the death of Christ, that is, 96 AD, must be the same as the author of the Gospel of John, who, as a young man, was full of the love of Christ. But now, in his old age, the wheel had come full circle, and this position in the light was no longer sustainable and the dark side of the creator as well as the dark side of his own psyche arises. That is too much light compensated later by darkness. It is also, as far as Jung is concerned, the reality of our psyche. It has both the divine and the satanic in it. Our psyche is a mixture of dark and light, good and evil, This psyche, this human consciousness, is the product of creation. Call it evolution if you wish, but it comes to the same thing. This is what Jung meant when he said, It was only quite late that we realised, or rather are beginning to realise, that God is reality itself, and therefore, last but not least, man. This realisation is a millennial process, unquote, from the Psychology and Religion, collected Works, Volume 11. As outlined in previous episodes, Young details the events of the Book of Revelation, stressing the dark side of God, his wrath and destruction of the vast majority of humanity, and how unchristian all this is. The wonder is how this text was incorporated into the New Testament at all, it must have represented something fundamental in the minds of Church Fathers. The 27 books of the New Testament were formally canonised during the councils of Hippo 393 AD and Carthage 397 AD, 300 years after the Book of Revelation was written. There had been plenty of time to expunge it from the canon altogether, However, one can see the advantage of putting the fear of God into the people, especially with the anarchy and chaos of the collapse of the Roman Empire during this period. At the same time, the Christian church was displaying increasingly authoritarian tendencies and even persecuting so-called heretics and those who disagreed with its doctrines. So Jung has moved from the Book of Job To the book of Revelation from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And now, fast forwards to his own times, the 1950s. He strongly believed that the recently proclaimed dogma on the Assumption of the Virgin Mary by the Catholic Church in 1950 was highly significant. It was not only a compensation for the lack of the feminine in Judaism and Christianity. The return of the lost Sophia. It also corresponded to a feeling in the masses, in the collective, that an intercessor, a mediatrix, was required in the heavens. That is to say, a feminine principle was required in the highest part of the human psyche. Why? To avoid, he answers, the terrifying apocalypse which mankind has become aware of with the nuclear bombs that ended World War II. What haunted Jung was the possibility of a real apocalypse. In the modern age, the psyche of mankind, more than ever, displays the two sides of the creator of God or of the cosmos, if you like, the divine and the satanic, the creative and the destructive. Jung believed that this is implied by John of Patmos in the book of Revelation, with the vials of destruction poured over the earth, the unleashing of the horsemen, the slaughter of vast swathes of mankind. Most astounding, Jung implies, humanity is therefore going through a collective individuation process. Now, the individuation process in psychotherapy is the integration of opposites in an individual. But here it's being applied to humanity. If we, humanity, remain unconscious of the mighty opposites within our psyche, then it will be an unconscious individuation process. And this will abort an end in catastrophe. If the individuation process is made conscious then humanity can move to the next level. In the last episode, I said I would tackle a number of outstanding questions concerning the text of Answer to Job. Let us begin. First question. Is God separate from us? Response. Our ego consciousness experiences God or anything it can name as a separate object or person. However, in the deep psyche, in our unconscious we do not experience ourselves as separate from God and we do not experience God as separate from the world in the deep psyche the experience is more one of participation mystique a phrase from Levi Brühl that Jung enjoyed using signifying an interconnectedness a non-separateness of subject and object It is a similar story with the differences of the left and right hemisphere of the brain. The left will analyse, dissect, systematise and rationalise whatever is presented to it, including the notion of God. The right hemisphere has the capacity to actually experience oneness with God and can respond with prayer, music, poetry, dance and so on. Although much of Judaism and Christianity presents God as a personal figure, separate from us this is only an expression of our limited ego consciousness Second question How can God be a personality as he mostly appears to be in the Bible? Response The history of the Godhead has an extraordinary amount of human projection put into it for example the idea that God is a person or resembles a human being Or that God is a man or woman, and if so, where is their partner? Or that God is a king or a queen, or that God is our parent and we are children. Once again, all of this is the result of the limits of our consciousness and shows how we project our humanness, our gender, our ideas of hierarchy and our need for parents into the divinity. God cannot be a personality or have gender. And so on. these are properties of human beings and animals in answer to Job Young presents Yahweh at first as a personality but he is taking the lead from the actual book of Job where God is thus presented he knows very well this is either a dramatic device or a projection of the Jewish psyche as it struggled to comprehend Yahweh for example sometimes as a nature god or sometimes as a tribal lord and occasionally as the infinite. This presentation of Yahweh, mostly as a personality, fades as the book proceeds and as deeper aspects of the God image are presented. Next, if the dualism of good and evil is contained in God, then what is the point of the individuation process in human beings? Response. Jung insists the dualism is in God, yes, but God enters into humanity. Humanity, therefore, lives out the dual nature of God and has to resolve this antinomy, this union of opposites. As Jung wrote to Eric Neumann, God is a contradiction in terms, he said. Therefore, he needs man in order to be made one. God is an ailment man has to cure. Unquote. By ailment Jung meant suffering. Humanity has to resolve within itself the dualism that it has inherited, so to speak, from God. God needs human consciousness to do this. The collective individuation process for humanity, therefore, may be thought of as the integration of good and evil, the dark and light, which is in creation and of which our psyche consists. The divine and the satanic, the two sides of God, are basic elements of our psyche. We have to integrate them both into a whole in order to resolve these contradictions. Next, how can God be an archetype of the self? Response, Jung did not encounter God as an intellectual idea. He experienced God as a force, a phenomenon, in his dreams and visions. These experiences had great urgency and forced his consciousness to take notice. This God phenomenon is an underlying archetype in human history and the human psyche. It develops, evolves, changes throughout the course of history and it differs from culture to culture. But despite these differences, the underlying archetype has a consistency. Jung personally did not find his God in the Christianity of his time. In fact, his most powerful vision as an adolescent was of God defecating on the cathedral. Clearly, he was not destined to be a Christian. Jung found God in his own unconscious. And this God was both dark and light. He was eventually to become aware That the God image, as he would often refer to it, was communicating through symbols. Jung was to decipher many of these, the archetypes, but the central one was that of the self, which is the central organising archetype of the psyche, as it were, the archetype of all archetypes, the template underlying everything. It promotes inner meaning the knowledge of the purpose of human existence, and is the telos of the development of consciousness. It arises in the unconscious, and from there manifests into consciousness, and is characterised by integration and wholeness of the self. This means that there is a force that is autonomous, independent of our consciousness and will, which pushes to integrate the different aspects of our personality and to self actualize Telos means the development of the inner purpose or essence, the becoming of what one is meant to be. Next question. Jung speaks of God in different ways in the book of Job. Is he consistent? God is not a thing or a fixed object. God is not outside of nature and the cosmos. God is not a separate being who supposedly created the world. God may be thought of as the evolving cosmos, eternally creative and destructive, coming into being and passing away in endless cycles. The God image is distinct in different cultures. It is an archetype that appears in the unconscious or deep psyche of humanity, in dreams and visions, and demands the attention of consciousness. It is like a magnet to which the iron filings of our consciousness are drawn. Thus there are endless ways to both experience God and attempt to express this experience. Jung is not especially consistent, no. But the God image is inherently elusive, enigmatic, and paradoxical. Young was not trying to argue a formal logical text. Answer to Job was a personal testament, written passionately. It might be better to ask Does Jung help us see the God archetype in new and deeper ways? And the answer to this is yes. Next question. How is it possible that God can be equated with the unconscious? Jung suggests that God both creates and needs mankind. And this is like the unconscious that creates consciousness and needs it also. Here God seems to be identified with the unconscious. For Jung, the unconscious is not only the personal unconscious but also the collective unconscious and this fades out into the infinite. As you may be aware, I prefer the term deep psyche to the unconscious. The unconscious has a transcendental base therefore. The deep psyche is linked to nature, to the cosmos and whatever force or phenomena we call God. Jung like many people, received plenty of teaching about God. But this is not a meeting with God. This is talk about God. On the contrary, he had quite different experiences that arose painfully from his unconscious and which he believed were communications from God. These insisted on telling him about God's nature and this was quite different from what he had been taught. God was a force from his own unconscious that appeared in dreams and visions which had overwhelming impact upon him. They were even traumatic. The force from his deep psyche reshaped the view of God that had been given to him. For example, that God was all good. There was a darkness in his experience of God, and this was a communication from his unconscious. Jung came to see the unconscious as having the archetype of God within it. He would later call this the archetype of the self, which expressed itself in the individuation process, that is, in a movement towards wholeness that occurs naturally in the deep psyche. This is quite different to the Christian version of God, who is supposed to be perfect, and whom we were supposed to imitate. God has a shadow, and so do human beings. So, the experience of God arises out of the depths of the unconscious, and reshapes consciousness. God is part of us. So yes, for Jung, God and the unconscious were difficult to separate. Next question. What does Jung mean by God wants to create man, but not quite? So this was one of the most surprising things that Jung said. The unconscious creates consciousness, but at the same time resists it coming into being. The unconscious wants to flow into the light, into consciousness, but then resists doing so. This appears to be Jung psychoanalyzing God again. What might this mean? This intriguing idea might have its roots in the following areas. Firstly, Gnostic mythology, which Jung was deeply influenced by, pointed to the Genesis story in the Jewish Bible and said that the Creator wanted to keep mankind in the Garden of Eden in an unconscious state because he forbade Adam and Eve to take the fruit of the Tree of Knowledge. It was Lucifer, the light-bearer in Latin, who persuaded them to eat the apple of the Tree of Knowledge, that is, enter into consciousness. Secondly, Jung occasionally mentioned in his collective works how the evolutionary movement into consciousness by humanity was a huge struggle and consciousness was, at first, weak and fell back into the unconscious frequently. Much later in evolution, the ego would become stronger and better able to withstand this regression. He commented on this occasionally in his travels when he observed such phenomena in indigenous peoples. Consciousness, as it were, was pulled back into the great unconscious. Certainly Jung saw the evolutionary development into consciousness as both a natural development, but also as a mighty struggle between great opposites. But he also saw something else. Within each side of this polarity, the conscious and the unconscious, there were further sets of opposites. For example, in consciousness itself, there was a desire to remain in consciousness, to remain in the light to resist unconsciousness like a child resisting falling to sleep but at the same time the opposite could be seen by which consciousness wanted to surrender and return to the unconscious similarly in the unconscious there is a movement into the light into consciousness and at the same time a resistance to it as if it were a force magnetically pulling consciousness back into the unconscious. Jung was acutely aware of the drama of the opposites in the human psyche and he used this model, equating God with the unconscious and man with consciousness, to suggest that God wants to create man, but not quite. In our next episode I will continue with our questions. I hope you can join me.